Welcome to the Red Text, a crossroads of the holy and heretical. Join, Join us now for another episode in Unholy Communion. Welcome to another episode of the Red Text Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ryan, aka the Mestizo Mystic. And I am Fonzie. I am Witch Illumicente. And um, I am so happy to be here today. <laughs> I'm always happy to be here with you. I know. Oh, gosh. You know, whenever I record with you, it just, it grounds me so much. Mm, like, mm-hmm. through, because I don't know if our, we record around every two weeks. Uh, recently, we've been recording a little bit more, um, more frequently. But we usually record two weeks, if not every week. Um and it, when we come together and record these episodes, it's just a way for me to just gather up myself and just like ground myself and just talk about one thing and not focus mm-hmm. on a million things at the same time. You know what I mean? Totally. And I always walk away from our recordings like just rejuvenated. You know what I mean? No, I 100% uh, resonate. I, I resonate with everything you're saying. Um, <laughs> like and retweet if this resonates with you. No, uh, I 100%, 100% resonate with what you're saying. Because for me, like when I put my thoughts and feelings into words, and not even just that, when I'm editing these and hearing myself speak what I'm saying, it helps me as someone who struggles with ADD, ADHD, and like a bad memory, like really put into perspective what I know and my understanding of what I know, right? Like for me, I learn best when I'm relaying information that I've learned to someone else. And so being able to have the podcast and have these conversations with you, but also to be able to share these conversations with other people, I'm like, oh shit, I think I know so little, but like, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in any way of anything, but like, it's just like, God damn, like I didn't realize I knew this much information that I was sharing until I'm putting it into words with you. And then also gaining new perspectives and new insight through through you and your practice and everything you share. And so mm-hmm. through our banter, it's just like it it helps put in perspective what I know, but also gain new insight through through our conversation. So this I just I love this podcast. I love talking to you, whether or not it's being recorded, but yeah. I'm so glad it is. I think I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yes, I do love just I love what we do. I really, really do. It 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 gives me so it brings me so much joy. Um but with that said, like how how have you been since we last saw each other or yeah, spoke? Um, I've been good. Uh, Austin's here in San Francisco now. Um, and for those who are unfamiliar with Austin, they were our guest a few episodes back. They run Baynex Bramble on Instagram and they're one of my closest friends. They were going to make a cameo appearance, but I think they're somewhere else in my house and can't hear me. So I guess they may not pop in. They may or may not pop in. Um, I want to oh, see there his she is. There oh, she is. There she is. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to my <laughs> podcast takeover. My name is Austin at Bainex Bramble on Instagram. You may have remembered my interview where um, I sounded like an edgelord, but I'm here now to tell you that was incorrect. Hi. Sounded like an edgelord actually was, though. <laughs> so that's my best friend. Um, but they've been in can here. You tell him, can, can you tell him hi, cunt? Oh, Fonzie says hi, cunt. Hi. Yeah, go I ahead. I said it, but it, I'm I'm a little high right now. Oh, she's she's a little high right now. Oh, she's a re- she's a little high. I'm still waiting for my package. It hasn't arrived yet. Just <laughs> let her know that. Um, I don't know. Your distributing and uh, distribution is is very slow. I'm still waiting for my package. I need my scrying fluids. Oh, she said she's waiting for her scrying fluids. <laughs> yeah, really. She she said distribution. It's not your fault. It's the it's the mail. You know what though? I think I need to put it. Um, 
as a hazardous material, so it had to go by ground. Mm. Oh, that's why it's well, taking so long. Your fluids are hazardous. Uh-huh. <laughs> Austin's <laughs> milk is hazardous, y'all. Yeah, it's um because there's uh ethanol, like perfumers, alcohol. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. It just I was like, hmm, interesting. But uh, so, <laughs> I yeah, can't we, wait to get it. I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, it looks fantastic. But um, but yeah, I so we've so just excited. been kikiing, going to bars and clubs. That have you seen that video of Lady Gaga where she's like, bus plane another club no sleep another and, club another club and if you didn't hear me say it the first time i say it for you again bus plane yeah that's what it's been like with austin visiting another it's just club. non-stop partying and so yesterday we all spent just all day long sleeping and eating and watching tv i finally finished season one of euphoria about to start uh, season two so good you so are good. in for a fucking ride bitch that's what I keep hearing. Everyone's like, oh, if you think season one's crazy, season two is a hundred times crazier. So I'm just like, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, I'm ready. But uh, but yeah, it's been chill. I've been off work since last Tuesday afternoon. So I'm very, very just relaxed and just having a great social time. I love you. I I, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear her. She said love she you loves too. you too. Okay. I meant Ryan, but I also oh. love you. <laughs> I love you all. Dear, dearly, dearly in my heart. But how have you been, Fonzie? I've been... <laughs> oh my God, what a joy Austin is. Um, I've been very well. I've been very busy. Um, I worked an event yesterday with my wonderful friend, um, Francisco, and we, we represented the Old World Emporium, which is an occult shop here in LA. Um... At an event, we were readers, which was super fun. I met an, an amazing group of people, or just a lot of people, rad people, really fucking rad people. Um, we met really awesome small business owners. Um, and uh, we were actually, me and Francisco were able to book another event, which we're so excited for, which is going to happen in May. Um, that is so awesome. So, so proud of the both of you. Thanks. We're just booked and busy, you know. Um, and I have an Is event tonight. Oh, women! I <laughs> she's a business lady, um, but um, she's also <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I also have an event tonight, which is the same promoters, um, which is going to be just a big party. And I'm going to be reading for that as well. So that's going to be fun. So um, but I'm I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I haven't been magicking for a couple of uh, for like a week. I haven't really done any magic, which is making me kind of, I have this itch to scratch and I just need to, I don't want, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who I don't do spells for the sake of doing spells. You know, I have, I always have to have, you know, a reason to do it because I have to make it practical. Of course, of course. You know, but at the same time, it's just like the devotional work is great. Yeah. But it's starting to become mundane to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, I, I do it because I know I should, and I have. But I, I, I the, just like the essence and like the, 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 the reason I do it. You know, the, the visceral like, um, um, feeling of wanting to do these things. It's just of like course. I have that itch to scratch, and I, I, I I'm trying. Uh, with the I mean I, this doesn't have a lot of context but what um what I spoke I spoke to Ryan this morning about a certain person that I met over the weekend hmm. I think I have a reason to do some magic so <laughs> I'm good I'm really really good I'm really excited for things that are coming and um I'm really hmm. excited for oh <laughs> and uh but yeah um 
I love that. I love that. I I feel you on the the magic scratch to itch. I this is so bad. I this I'm usually on top of my devotional work, like just changing altar waters, doing prayers. But like the last two or so weeks, pretty much ever since I've been back from Portland a couple weeks ago, like I've been slacking, dude. Like usually I'll change each altar water throughout the week, depending. Like Saturday or Sunday, I'll do Mary's altars because I have two altars for her: one in the kitchen, one in my living room. Mondays I do my ancestors and then Tuesdays is for Santa Muerte, but uh, I've been slacking. So usually on the Sunday, if I didn't do any of theirs throughout the week, I'll just replace everything. I also haven't cleaned my altars in forever, which I know they're like looking at me like, come on, Ryan, get your shit together. Um, So I need to do that today, honestly, because it's been like over a week now since I've changed any of their altar waters. And like Mm -hmm. I've just, it's been, it's partially due to like mental health and just feeling like no energy to do so, but also like, you know, being distracted by, by social obligations. But this segues perfectly into our conversation for today in which we're talking about structure and discipline within a magical practice, right? Because Mm -hmm. when I first started getting into new age spirituality and metaphysics and veering away from my Catholic upbringing back in, I want to say early 2016, it was like jumping into unknown waters, right? I'm just like, okay, I don't want to be Catholic anymore. And I think crystals are cool and I want to work with the elements. And obviously everyone normally, I feel like, is starting out with Wicca or Wicca-based practices because that's what the most common information is out there, or at least commonly accessible. So, you know, I'm reading stuff around that realm, but I'm just like, fuck, this is also new. And not to say people shouldn't do that. Some people might find it easier to start with something new compared to what they grew up with. But for me, it's like all I've ever known growing up was Christianity and Catholicism. I went to Christian school and I was raised Catholic and had to go to extra Catholic school. And so it's all I new so jumping into new age spirituality and the metaphysics was very um it was eye-opening it was insightful i will say that it segued me into studying different philosophies and religions and eastern traditions especially buddhism hinduism and the philosophy of stoicism which have all shaped my practice today but the the point that i'm trying to make is that when i jumped unknown into all these waters i had no discipline i had no i had no foundation in my practice because all of this was so new, right? And so it was very much like, you know, some days I would go charge my crystals. Some days I would read tarot for myself because the same year I started diving into alternative spirituality, I also received my first tarot deck as a birthday present from a friend of mine. And so I had no I had no structure. So I, I really was very on and off about even maintaining my practice, especially because I was still in college at the time. So I was more focused on school than I was my spiritual practice. And it wasn't until I graduated back in 2019 that I was able to dedicate more time to developing my practice. And that's also when I started to find my way back to Catholicism around 2019, 2020 through praying the rosary. And I say all of this to say that once I found my way back into Catholicism, especially as a folk practitioner, I was also able to find so much more structure and discipline within my practice, right? Like praying the rosary at least once a day. Um, But also in Catholicism, we have what's called the divine office and the liturgy of the hours. So there's certain hours every day in which uh, you Mm -hmm. focus on prayer. And then we have our things like sacraments and sacramentals. So we have the ritual like the mass. We have state medals. We have holy water. We already have all of these magical items and magical traditions within the religion of Catholicism. So that brings me to talk about the subject of today's podcast episode, which is using religion and utilizing religion, whether it's the one you grew up with or one you're studying or have been studying for a while, 
utilizing these religions as a foundation for building your practice. Because when I jumped headfirst into shit I had no idea about, it only made it 10 times harder for me personally to, to find any type of structure. Um, so I'm really curious, Fonzie, how was that for you? Like, did you ever veer from Catholicism and then find your way back into finding structure within it? Or was it something that just kind of like, tell me, tell me about you and your practice and how you found structure. Okay, that's a really great question. And I really love this topic. Um, the thing about it is, is that I did not um, veer away from Catholicism because I'd never, I never, I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up, I grew, I grew up like in a more uh, Protestant kind of. That's right. Um, upbringing. Yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we use, we kind of use those two terms kind of interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I grew up in a kind of a Jesus centered household. Um, so when I was going into my practice, um, just into my craft itself, <clears throat> it was definitely separate from my faith. I never veered away from my faith per se. I always, they definitely were separate in the sense where I didn't want to mix the two because I don't think the two of them would get along. Um, and so I was practicing that for, and I don't want to say craft either because it wasn't until a little bit later where I actively started to actually practice witchcraft or what I define as my witchcraft because before it was a lot just more like what you said, like new agey spirituality, like new agey, like manifestation intentions yeah yeah just like all that stuff like right crystals and sound. and not shitting on anyone's practice for those listening no, not, just no, no, just no, no, saying no. you know that there's it, no really structure within the whole new age kind of realm i want to say and also it's not witchcraft and right I, I i identify as a witch and that's the only reason why i say that it, the only reason why i say that is because i just don't identify and i don't resonate with that part of me anymore um mm -hmm. and i i also want to say that i never really did because it was very very like you said it, it feel it felt really chaotic mm -hmm. and um so in saying that um that was very separate you know um when i would like call upon like the universe like i i always thought of like the universe being a separate entity as opposed to like my faith with god and jesus and you know and like i said it was god and jesus at the beginning so it was different. My devotional work and my and my um, spirituality was strangely. I saw it as separate, even though it really wasn't. It was in the same. But I just like, I was in denial, basically. <laughs> right. The practice itself was extremely chaotic. There was a whole bunch of things that I was getting online. I wasn't doing a lot of reading. I was just like influenced by these these like flashing lights on my computer that were telling me this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Bye bye bye. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just do it, do it, do it. Here's a candle, put some herbs on it and do it. And then this will happen. Mm -hmm. It was very like that. And then so I would just do it with no, where's with the nothing. why? Yeah. Where's, there's no foundation. There's no, there's no, um, you know, there's nothing innate about it. It was just very tactile. It was very physical. There was nothing, you know, within my own body. It was just very like, you do these things. And when you do these things, these things will happen. Right. Right. Um, which doesn't, it, that's just not how it works, <laughs> which is what mm -hmm. I found out later. And so what I started to, um, explore a little bit more and dive a little bit deeper, I started to realize, I was like, huh, <laughs> it looks like I might be able to incorporate my faith into my spirituality, which I started to do. And then I was like, I started going into like, you know, the algorithm kind of works weird when you're starting to like 
go into like spirituality stuff and like new agey stuff, crystal stuff, blah, 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 blah. You kind of, the algorithm kind of suggests like witchcraft. And I always tried to like stay away from witchcraft because, you know, that's the devil's work. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, I, I gave it a chance. I, you know, there was, there's, there's a lot of big influencers online that I, uh, that I still follow, that I still respect. Um, one of the first people that I followed was Chaotic Witch Ant. <clears throat> Frankie, who I is love Frankie. wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, I didn't know then, um, because I didn't know anything about Italian folk magic, that they also work with, um, um, you know, Catholic beings or Catholic spirits. Um, even though that they don't, they don't personally identify as a Catholic, they do, uh, there's a big, uh, a big comp component of folk, um, Italian folk magic is working with those, those, those spirits. Absolutely. Um, I didn't know it then, but a lot of the things that I was getting from Frankie was like how to use a smell candle, how to use da da da, da you know, whatever. And then I was also following, um, uh, Olivia, who's the witch of wonder, uh, yeah, witch of wonder, wonderlust. And there was one video that kind of, I kind of cued in where she was like, um, <clears throat> there are these witches and that witches, and there are Christian witches. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, hang on. What you said rewind. You what is it? What was well, Christian? What? There are Christian. What? So <laughs> I started to look, I, I dug deeper. Like I, I got into like this weird, crazy wormhole where I was starting to search like folks who, who practice witchcraft within the Christian umbrella and uh, they exist. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only one who wants to do this. Right. And then, um, that was like around the the time where I started to like, okay, let's talk to God. Let's see what God, how God feels about it. He never answered. And I think <laughs> the reason why, the reason why he never answered is because I don't care. Do it. I don't just, whatever. You're not, you're not killing babies. You know what I mean? So just go, go, go do whatever you want. He you said, know? you do you baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, so I started doing my research and then like, uh, like I was doing that within like, you know, just working with, you know, cultivating a relationship with God and then like also working with plant, um, plant allies, plant spirits, spirits of the land and knowing that all of these things kind of work together. And this is just pure UPG. This is coming from me mm -hmm. where I feel all of the spirits, all of the gods, all, all of these things. I became an omnist within this, like within this, um, you know, time where I started to realize that there is no one God, there are many gods and they all exist on some, you know, on some level. And right. there are spirits that, you know, assist us on this physical realm to, and they commune with um, higher spirits and it just keeps going. There's a higher, you know, this, this, like I said, it just, these are things that just started to develop within contemplation and within, you know, my own work. And it's so um, beautiful how it unfolds. I know it really is. And this, the shift that I had, like in my late twenties was it was so drastic, but it was also very gentle. You know what I mean? That's what mm -hmm. I really, really loved. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't just like <laughs> dry and raw. It was like hmm. spit on it, spit on it first, you know, I'm screaming <laughs> <laughs> spit on it first. And then, you know, you know, con con say I have nice hair and then, <laughs> and, then and then pound, pound. <laughs> Um, which is weird that I say that cause I'm a top, but anyways, um, <laughs> um, but, I can't um, with you. 
<laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how like it kind of there, that shift. I and I remember that shift too. It was literally on the tail end of my Saturn return. I, I mentioned this before. It was on the tail end of that my Saturn return where all of these things happened at the same time, and it was just like it was so confusing. It was so confusing, and it was so chaotic. And then when I started to actually look into Catholicism, I was like, holy shit. Catholicism. It's been around me my entire life. And there's so mm-hmm. much fucking magic in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 there are so many parallels when it comes to Catholic practices, traditional Catholic practices, and with traditional witchcraft. And they're, they're, they don't intersect sometimes, but they they do parallel each other. They're, they right. look alike. They look They really do look alike because they borrow from each other. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's when I started incorporating saint work and working with Mary, you know, closely working with Mary. It was very, very new to me. And that was at the beginning of last year, the beginning of 2021, Um, like which is when I started my which was when I started my Instagram, which was January. If you look at if you look back on my post, my first post was in January of 2021. Um, And then so. Another shift happened where I was just like, this is it. This is what I was looking for. Like you can still practice within your, your, like your Protestant upbringing, but also incorporating Catholicism into your practice because that parallels your witchcraft. Right. So it's both at the same time, you know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. just turned into this crazy amalgamation of, you know, of it's okay to be, uh, it's okay to be a heretic because what it means to be a heretic to you is not being heretical to god to the faith it means to be a heretic towards the church right and that's what i that's what i was like wrestling with you know what i mean being being how was i seen to my spiritual court am i being seen as a uh, a heretic or a heathen to my spiritual court or am i being seen as a heathen to the church i, I was being seen as a heathen to the church i'm totally fucking okay with that you know what i mean that's, right that's that's our goal that's our goal. <laughs> and I want to be as I want to be as heretical as fucking possible, right? Absolutely. I want to be as far, I don't know. I want to deviate as far away from that as possible, you know. Right. Um but yeah, that's how the shift happened for me. That's how it, it, and it's interesting because when that shift happened, it organized the chaos. Right. Like what you said when you start to incorporate like mass and the Eucharist and see those as rituals and you can incorporate the same um aspects of those rituals into your own practice Mm -hmm. you know it it does organize the chaos and it also answers why why do you do these things and that's the most important part of going into a uh, some sort of magical practice being some sort of magical practitioner and seeing the religious aspect of it because it does organize the chaos of this you know yeah i will say um i'm sorry were were you did you have something else to say Nope, that was it. Um, I will say I'm I'm kind of glad I took that break towards New Age spirituality and metaphysics because of it leading towards because you know the, a lot of New Age metaphysical spirituality appropriates uh, Eastern spirituality, especially that of like Hinduism and Buddhism. It's just like oh my God, make peace, not love. We're trying to become enlightened, you know. But mm. I will say like you know it led to me reading Buddhist and Hindu texts that really influenced my own personal philosophy and spiritual practice and beliefs when I came back to Catholicism, right? Because, you know, in a traditional Christian Catholic upbringing, you're taught there's only one true God. It's the only God. All the other gods are demons and evil spirits that want to fucking eat your babies, right? right? But I have a completely different personal view of Catholicism, of my Catholic practice, because of studying other philosophies and traditions. Like you said, God to me now is just a, a different representation of 
you know, the universe of spirit. Like a lot of people yes. say spirit of the universe. I like to refer right. to it as God, not God. as just the one Abrahamic God, but like I, I grew up with that term and it's easier for me to comprehend as opposed mm. to saying spirit or universe. And now even when I talk about spirit, I view that as the Holy Spirit. The, the, when we talk about life right. and God and every single thing, whether it's that cup of water on your desk or a leaf of grass or a blade of grass, I mean, that I see is the Holy Spirit. That's the that's the, the the life force that permeates everything. So it's like having veered away from Catholicism and dabbled in different beliefs, dabbled in the different views and perspectives of other cultures really helped me see Catholicism through a new lens. And like you said, it's not going to match with what the Catholic Church teaches because what we're doing is heretical. What we're doing is our, a lot of UPG, but other Catholic and Christian upbringings also help to inform our practice, if that makes sense. And um, it's really interesting because if you look at the practice of and the and the religion of Catholicism, you'll see a blend of ceremonial magic, aka high magic, as well as a lot of low magic, aka folk magic. And I mean, just to provide an example for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Catholic and Christian traditions, the the mass, the the ritual of mass, where Catholics specifically, not all Christian denominations believe this, but the Catholics specifically um, believe in the transubstantiation, which is where when the priest turns the wine and bread into the actual living blood and body of Christ. We don't see it as symbology. We see it as an actual transformation of these physical objects into the body and blood of Christ. Whereas there's other, a lot of the other Christian traditions and denominations solely see it as a metaphor and a symbol, right? But the, the ritual of the mass where the priest is holding the wine and the bread and turning that into the body and blood of Christ that's high magic because we have this person in a position of power. Um, and I don't think it's just a priest who can do these things because, again, my beliefs are much more heretical than what the, the institutional church teaches. But that in and of itself, the ritual of the mass, that is high magic. Whereas low magic, and mind you, the, the terms high magic and low magic come from a lot of classist history. And so I like to say folk magic versus ceremonial magic. Um, but low magic or folk magic, the magic of the people, that's when you see people in the Catholic community, especially in Filipino and Latin-based communities, when we're doing novenas with candles from the Botanica to whether it's like St. Lucia, Santa Lucia, um, or St. Michael, right? When we bring these candles into our home and we're petitioning them for something to happen into our lives, that's folk magic. So Catholicism is a beautiful, beautiful blend of ceremonial magic and folk magic. But we also have necromancy when we're... And, and ancestral veneration, because when we're working with the saints, right, the saints were, most of them at least, were humans that lived human lives, very holy and mystical lives, where they performed miracles, communed with the divine, and had these ecstatic visions and performed healing and prophesied and all that shit. That, um, when we're, when <laughs> we're working, and all that shit, because it was so much shit. Um, <laughs> when, when we're working, when we're petitioning the spirit of a saint, that's petitioning, again, a spirit. We're working with the spirit of a deceased person to help bring something into the physical realm. If that ain't necromancy, I don't know what the fuck is. But it's also right. a beautiful form of ancestral veneration because ancestors aren't just people we're blood related to. It's also those, you know, from similar traditions to us, you know, like my my Catholic ancestors, all the people before me who practiced Catholicism, right, which include those saints. So again, the, here we see within Catholicism, necromancy and ancestral veneration. So that's already a wonderful, wonderful aspect that can and I feel like should be included in a spiritual and occult practitioner's, uh, you know, practice. And uh, I can't speak too much on Buddhism and Hinduism and other religions, but I mean, Hinduism is one of the older surviving religions that also have texts that not only give us the details of how to 
morally and ethically act as a human being in this lifetime. But there's also scriptural texts, I believe it's the Vedas, that have rituals. Like the rituals in the Vedas from thousands and thousands of years ago are still the rituals that are performed today in in Hindu culture. And the same for Buddhism. Buddhism, I don't think is uh, super, super old. It's just, I think it slightly predates Christianity or comes about around the same time. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't have the years written down. But Buddhism too, their texts are, hold on, I have it open in a tab right here. Their texts are the the suttas, I believe, um, or sutras. Um, and those, again, those detail the moral and ethical guidelines for how to behave as a human being. And But they also in Buddhism have rituals. They have magical practices. And then the mm-hmm. oldest, I think, I believe the oldest surviving religion to today, and one of the oldest religions ever, is Zoro- Zoroastrianism, which Christianity has even drawn some influence from. And Zoroastrianism, again, still practiced today. And I don't know the texts of which they use, but again, they still detail moral and ethical guidelines for how to act as a person, as well as rituals and magical traditions. So here you can see Christianity slash Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Zoroastrianism, four religions with denominations within each of those two. It doesn't just stop at that single religion that detail moral and ethical guidelines for how to act as well as these these rituals and manuals for how to commune with the divine. So whether you grew up in these traditions or not, you can utilize the historical backgrounds and historical traditions from each of these religions to influence and inform your current spiritual practice. And that's not saying you have to stay with it. I mean, like, I don't see myself veering from being a full Catholic practitioner for a while because I'm still finding my ground in it and still communing with the divine, utilizing Catholicism. But I'm still, you know, I'm starting to reread the Bible. I'm revisiting historical and mythological uh, Catholic texts to help give influence into my current practice. So it's just a beautiful example of how a tradition that has existed can serve to better build a foundation for your current spiritual practice. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, 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 that it makes a lot of sense in regards to being able to see the historical base of why people do these things because it makes it credible. You know, it makes it. This stuff actually does fucking work because people have been doing it for such a long time. Absolutely, they didn't. I mean, call it. They didn't. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You finish. I was just saying that it's like they don't, you know, they they practice these religions without the intent of it being called witchcraft or whatever. You know what I mean? Without it having to like, oh, let's blend this with a, you know, with a, with a magical practice. It just was a magical practice, you know. So right. Um, that's why that's why when we talk about being able to incorporate a religion into your magical practice, and there are many ways to do this, many different religions to incorporate into a magic. And then we're also not talking about witchcraft within itself. We're talking about witchcraft within itself only because we are both witches. You know, um, we, we practice within what we define as, 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 as witchcraft, but you know, it doesn't have to be witchcraft. It could just be some sort of magical practice incorporated with some sort of religion. A lot of people have found a lot of um, clarity when doing that, because like I said, it to me, just to me personally, it organized all of the chaos. It organized the chaos yes. of what magic was yes, and was able to put it into this box where I could, or not even a box, into a file cabinet where I was just like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is why I need to do it. 
you know, this is who I need to work with. Yes. This is who's going to call to me. Okay. I, everything is list, you know, it's, it's, it's not all of these things like put together, you know, it's like, yes, it, it, it cleaned up my grimoire. You know what I mean? Yes. It, or it put tabs in my grimoire. Absolutely. You know? And that's why I liked it. I, 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 pre I respect it so much because one, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of practice and, um, it was, I was able to hone in my witchcraft because I knew who had my back. Yes. And I knew who I was working with when I was doing it. And I know what results to expect. Yes. One of my favorite. On I was working with. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Go ahead. One of my favorite things that I did not grow up being aware of or understanding, but now utilize in my practice is the Catholic liturgical calendar every year. Because another thing that felt extremely foreign to me when exploring paganism and new age spirituality and metaphysics and da 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 da, all the aforementioned stuff, was the wheel of the year, right? The only mm. thing that I ever really, I guess, even don't know if I could say celebrated, but the only thing I paid attention to was Beltane, just because. Um, I heavily relate with the element of fire. And I remember one of the first pagan things I did was celebrate Beltane by jumping over a candle flame or a flame in general, because it's supposed to war off evil spirits and bring in good luck, I believe. I haven't done it in so long, but that's what I remember doing. But I say that to say that the Catholic liturgical calendar year, um, for those unfamiliar and for those coming back to full Catholicism as a tradition and practice, basically outlines the entire year for you in terms of feast days, obligatory holy days, the days that we celebrate different saints. So all of the different, um, I think I said that the feast days of different saints, um, holy days, mm -hmm. and, and um, it lays it out all in a calendar format for you. For you. So, so it, like, right. for instance, J January 6th every year is, is the celebration of Epiphany, which also marks the end of Christmastide. So like, uh, for those who are from a Christian background, you're familiar how we have Christmastide or Christmas time. We have Easter, we have Advent, and then there's what's known as ordinary time, but that came after, uh, that came, I think after the council of Trent, whereas beforehand there was no ordinary time. They kind of had magical times or mystical times throughout the entirety of the year. Not that ordinary time is not mystical, but it's kind of just kind of like a gap in between these really important holy seasons, but right. the liturgical calendar year really helped bring structure to my practice since I didn't resonate with the pagan wheel of the year. And so now it's like, for instance, Easter is a time on which we can reflect on penance and reflect on, you know, our personal definition of sin and how we can rectify sin in our lives. And then Christmas time, it's a celebration of, you know, the Lord, the celebration of the sun, whether you see that as the God of the sun or the son of Christ or the son of God, whatever, um, and a time of, of joyfulness and, and rejoicing. And, um, you know, these are just a couple examples, but being able to utilize the Catholic liturgical calendar year really helped bring structure into my practice and like being able to focus on these holy days, but in my own perspective, through my own lens of my heretical full Catholic um, practice really helped provide me foundation and structure. Because beforehand it felt like I was just kind of, again, swimming in unknown waters, but now just as a full Catholic. So once I discovered that we have our own liturgical calendar, that blew me out the water and gave me so much more uh, structure to to know when to celebrate certain things or when to focus on something. Exactly. I was just about to say that. It's like the, the calendar really helps you um, in a way schedule things. It's like, okay, this is a great time to kind of reflect on, let's say, for example, we're talking about, um, let's say, for example, we're talking about um, what's coming up. We're talking about Lent and um uh easter time right um to me 
Now, this is personal. I don't know if everyone agrees with me. Uh, Easter is a great time for uh, baneful magic because it's a time of um, of death, uh, ending something, and then also tra- tra- like you know uh, some sort of transformation at the same time. So it's good for baneful baneful work. Be able to banish things that doesn't um, uh, banish people or things that um, that uh, don't do anything for you anymore. That doesn't belong to you anymore. Um, especially people, like that's a great time to kind of reflect on the relationships you have and see which ones are not helping me grow anymore. What situations are not helping me grow anymore? What, what, which people in my life are not helping me grow anymore and are not contributing to my, to my growth, you know? And so it kind of helps organize these things and it kind of puts you in a place where it's like, okay, let's think about these things at this time of the year because it's a good time to work on these things, you know? Um, based on the historical aspect of what we do and the, I mean, uh, the, based on the historical aspect of, of, uh, where our faith comes from, you can kind of organize your thoughts and organize your practice, like how other people do it, you know, like people work different workings during a full moon and different workings during a new moon or different workings during, um, the winter solstice and the summer solstice and, um, what are other fucking holidays? <laughs> the equinoxes. Uh, Belte, yeah, the equinoxes. Yeah. So they, you know, all of these things, um, people focus on different parts of their lives. We do it the same way, but with different people <laughs> and different traditions and different beliefs. You know what I mean? We we base it on, uh, uh, you know, our own faith. It's kind of the same thing. So, but then also at the same time, it's a little bit nuanced because you also don't have to do that. You know, I, I don't want to mm-hmm, say like, mm-hmm. okay, you need religion to do, you know, to organize your witchcraft. No, that's not true. It's definitely not true. I mean, there are people who who don't work in an organized way or do you just do what they do? You know, do, they just do to do, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. They do to do, um, which is fine. And I, I'm sure they get a lot of great stuff out of it. You know what I mean? But for me personally is that, Oh my gosh, I'm able to like conceptualize everything, see everything in a way I can actually visualize everything and see why yes. everything is happening. Exa- that word that you just used to conceptualize and visualize. That's exactly it. Like mm-hmm. these, yeah, that's exactly what religion does. For, yeah. for and me. at a certain part of a certain part of the year, especially, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? like seeing it as that, you know, as that part of the year. And also I incorporate traditional witchcraft beliefs into like when we talk about the, you know, um, you know, like just the seasons itself is like it's a time of like like winter is a time of 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 death and then just kind of being able to shed your old self you know just talking like thinking about like a tree right mm-hmm. just like shedding its own self and then being reborn in the spring yeah i made or a whatever post... that is oh sorry um i made That's a okay. post back in i want to say september um i never did like a full blog post about this um but it was contrasting and comparing the pagan wheel of the year with the catholic liturgical calendar year and i I was comparing uh hold on i'm scrolling through my ig right now to try to find it um oh gosh hold on it's it's here somewhere in september oh this is july i went too far um it was oh god let me just find it Oh my God, Austin mentioned you in their story. Okay, I can't wait to look at that. I wonder what that is. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, so I was comparing, my example was 
the pagan wheel of the year lining up with the liturgical year of uh, Mabin for the wheel of the year and Michaelmas in the Catholic calendar. So mm. I said, I tweeted this back in 2021. I said, Mabin began on September 21st, 2021, and it ends September 29th, and it signals the autumnal equinox and the wrapping up of the harvest season. Michaelmas, aka the Feast of the Archangels, is celebrated on September 29th, 2021. It celebrates St. Michael the Archangel and also traditionally Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel. But it was also celebrated in recognizing the autumnal equinox and harvest season. So this is just one example of how the Wheel of the Year and the Catholic liturgical calendar have similarities. And so I was saying how I sometimes try to celebrate stuff from the Wheel of the Year, but more so as a full Catholic, I follow the liturgical calendar year. And then I went on to post two images of a circular picture of the Catholic liturgical calendar and then a picture of the pagan wheel of the year. And just looking at the two, you can kind of see how they're similar in one of in one another. So it just goes to show like like they're not, I'm not going to say they're exactly the same because they're absolutely not, but you can kind of draw influence from the two and again, use that defined structure and foundation in your practice if it's lacking. One thing about being a spiritual or an occult practitioner is that if you don't have some sort of discipline and foundation, your practice is not going to thrive. And some people are going to find that problematic, but it's simply the truth. Like you are not going to become a more adept and advanced practitioner if you don't establish some sort of routine within your practice. You can't go every day lottie dying and just, you know, playing by ear. Like you need, especially when you're working with spirits, like if a spirit's telling you on this certain day of this certain month, every single year, I expect you to do this, you better fucking do that. Otherwise that spirit's not going to want to be a part of your relationship and your practice anymore, you know? So it's really important to at least at some point in your practice, develop a routine, develop a, a, um, a foundation upon which you can work, uh, in a, um, the fuck am I trying to say? Just to have a foundation, to have, to have a guidance of what you're doing. No, 100%. And do you need religion to, to to fucking do that? Absolutely fucking not. But the thing about it is, is that it, it's because we have, we, we kind of have text, right? And we have history to look back on. It makes it a little bit easier for us to kind of cross reference and be able to be like, oh, this is, this is the reason why I should be doing this. Um, you know, and, but at the same time, if you don't, if you don't, um, you know, subscribe to any sort of religion, that's totally fine. You just kind of have to do the work and really Mm -hmm. commune with the spirits that you work with because spirit veneration is within itself, its own ritual. Like you have to actually do it. And this is not, this is not routine. You actually have to ritualistically commune and cultivate a relationship with, with ever spirits. Like, let's say for example, as something as, as something as common as working with rosemary are you communing with the spirit of rosemary to work with rosemary are you doing that because if you are not then you are playing with herbs and it's something that austin actually mentioned in their episode is the spirit of rosemary consenting to what you are doing it's part of your practice it's part of your practice to be able to not just know what these herbs mean and what they could possibly do to you but it's also communing with them being able to actually see what they want to do for you you know like for i i always use this example because i use i use roses a lot because roses roses are one of the most magical plant allies i think in the entire world absolutely (laughs) because it because it represents so many things in one little plant you know what i mean it represents beauty it represents love it represents um um, peace. It represents lust. It represents sex. It represents um, 
uh, uh, romantic love. It represents, uh, you know, platonic. It represents a lot of things, but it also represents, um, it represents protection. It represents, um, you know, uh, boundaries. Boundary, yes, boundaries. It represents. Uh, you took the word right out of my mouth. It represents boundaries. It represents, uh, you know, just uh, uh, baneful. Ma- you know, that's, that's the whole thing about like it, you know, a bane and blessing grows on the same stock. You know, that's kind of like the, the what the rose means to me. You know what I mean? So when you commune with the rose, what are what are you having the what you know what is the rose consenting to for you to work with them? You know, what, what, what are they saying? You know, what are they doing? So that doesn't necessarily have to be a religious aspect of your practice, but it is a routine. It is a ritual, something that you actually have to do. And it, it, you have to garner that structure within your practice to make it like what you said, thrive, because that's how you start developing your, your personal gnosis and your personal gnosis feeds into your magic. Because you know this is how it works. So your gnosis feeds into your magic, and then your magic goes into your craft, and then your craft fucking works. That's just how it works. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. yeah, gar- garnering some sort of structure is really, really important. I don't believe now that, like you said, this might be a little bit controversial. I frankly don't care. This is just what I believe, and you can take it or leave it. I I don't think it's possible to have just pure chaos. I know that there are folks who do work kind of like in a chaotic um way and they find a lot of value in that and that's totally fine i think they also thrive in chaos and i think uh, their magic is very powerful in chaos and that's totally fine but i believe and correct me if i'm wrong that there are chaos magicians who do have some sort of structure to their practice there's some sort of routine there's some sort of you know because that's that's how you build your your upg Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think it is also important to recognize the power behind tradition, right? Like I think it's beautiful and powerful when you are able to commune with the divine through the crafting of your own prayers. That is beautiful. But for instance, in our practice, and when I say our, I mean Fonzie and I's, like when we say the Lord's Prayer or when we're making the sign of the cross, all of our tias and tios and abuelas and abuelos and and lolas and, and all of our family and ancestors and everyone else within that tradition, whoever made that same sign of the cross and same that said that same Lord's Prayer, that is going into the power of us also saying it. And mind you, these prayers and symbols have existed for thousands of years. That's not saying it's any more powerful than the prayer that you came up with. It's really dependent on you, your practice, and your relationship with the divine. But it is so, so important to also recognize the power in tradition. I still make the sign of the cross. I still use Mm -hmm. Lord's Prayer. I still use the Hail Mary. I may alter it or take out the word sinner, but like I still use these traditional prayers because it's everything my family ever grew up saying, as well as my deceased family members and my ancestors and their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the right. power in tradition, and there, there's nothing that really beats that. There's nothing. Again, it's it's great when you can craft your own prayers, but I'm I don't know. It's it's hard because I don't want to say that using traditional prayers is going to be more powerful than crafting your own because it really really depends. But my the point of everything that I'm saying is that you can't neglect the power that lies within tradition and all the, you know. The, the spirits and people that have put all of their energy into that before us. I don't want. I don't want to say it's necessarily a, a question of power when you craft your own prayers. I think it's a question of being uh, of making it personal. So when you when you use traditional prayers, yes, that's powerful. It's extremely powerful. When you incorporate your own prayers, it's like a petition, right? So that in itself just makes it a more powerful prayer to you. 
right? To your own practice, to the way that you do things, right? So I think it's just as powerful in the sense that you could use it to help grant your will or the, any reason why you're praying in the first place. So incorporating your own written prayer that you crafted yourself obviously has its own mat, especially if you do something really magical with it, like writing it down three times, writing your name over it with your birthday, um, folding it in a certain way, and then burning it, and then letting that that prayer into the universe. Mm-hmm. Like that's a magical thing to do. Incorporating that prayer and saying it over and over and over and over and over again. Like let's say you want to make a do a protection prayer, and then also incorporate Psalm ninety one into it. Like you've got the recipe of a fucking protection spell. You know what I mean? You've got like, that's mm-hmm. very powerful, but it's very powerful to you. It's very powerful to your <laughs> Say <practice>. you. Yeah. <laughs> to you. To you. But then at the same time, there are so many people who are incorporating the same prayers as like the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 91, Psalm 23, into their own practices and making it their own, you know, making it personal by adding in their own little flavor. You know what I mean? And I think that's really, really important. Everything should, you, you, everyone should be creating constantly, you know, just create, create. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are traditionalists who don't, who don't find any value in creating their own. And they find the, the power of the traditional prayers as something that they want to work with and work with alone. That's totally fine. That's, that's a hundred percent valid. And I think that's totally cool. Um, most of the time I just like adding my own little flavor because I'm just a heretic and I just like doing things my own way. We like to be spicy. We like to be spicy. We like to make our practice our practice. Or is my catchphrase, I just think it's neat. I just think it's neat. I just, I, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Um, Um, uh, that's what I've been saying a lot. Yes. Especially yesterday at the event. I was like, I'm having so much fun. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did we find your catchphrase then? Is that what we're going to put on your shirt? I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually, that's turning into a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's like on a grand scale, like your own, your own crafted prayers isn't as powerful as the fucking Lord's prayer. Right. But it does, it adds a lot of power personally to your own practice. And I think that's really, Mm -hmm. really important. And like I said, keep creating. This is, this is, especially if you work within, if you are a witch and you, you practice witchcraft, it's, it's called witchcraft for a reason. You're supposed to be creating something. You're supposed to be crafting something and craft, you know, Witchcraft is not just a magical practice. It's an art. Yes, you know, it's an, absolutely. It's a, you know, it's an art. Like there, there are things that you do within your practice that is actually fit, like tangible art. It's artistic. You know, you're, I mean, crafting a sigil is a work of art. This mm-hmm. is a work of art. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a work of it's art. It's a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like it. Picasso. Oh um, my God. <laughs> Me and my roommate Shane have been saying it so fucking much lately. That dude, I really wanted to make a TikTok of me drawing a sigil and was like, what is this? And I'd be like, it's an art project. Okay, I like it. Picasso. (laughs) (laughs) Crafting a sigil, isn't that perfect? Yes. Yeah, I know. I I wanted to make that TikTok, but like, God, making TikToks is hard. Um, But yeah, so, you know, treat it like that treat it like it's not just a magical practice it is an art form so like you're supposed to be creating things craft do those things that you know that feed into your magic 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I also like to say, like, what it like again, we don't want to feel like as if we're condescendingly downplaying crafting your own prayers because again there's still much beauty there's still a lot of beauty and power within that because mm-hmm. imagine a lot of us especially as folk practitioners we're starting this tradition in our family at least for me like no one ever hand everything i'm learning i'm doing on my own through through mentors and teachers that i've mm-hmm. gained throughout the last couple of years but no one in my family has handed down what i'm learning to me right so you know assuming i have a family in the future or even you know years down the road take on mentees this is my tradition that I will be handing down to them. So this, it, the power starts with me when it is crafting my own spells or crafting my own prayers. And that tradition right. will then begin to gain power as it gets passed down generation to generation. But, right. you know, again, we still have that power within those already existing traditional prayers that have been prayed by people for thousands of fucking years. I mean, you know, in our previous episode with Chris Tarot Exegete, we talk about the Psalms. When we're praying and working with the Psalms, that dates back thousands of years back to ancient Judaism and even beforehand because Chris talks about how they were like altered Babylonian prayers that were then used right. <clears throat> excuse me that were then used in the in the Judaic and Christian tradition so it's just like it just blows mm-hmm. my mind to think that what we're using was used thousands of years ago with the same passion the same fervor the same faith like that's what blows me away yep yep and I think that's that this episode is a is a great segue from from that episode from the psalm episode because it really does i mean we we learned the historical the historical base of where the psalms came from but then going into why they're so magical is because of where they came from you know absolutely um so yeah like your prayers are so magical I mean, we're kind of veering a little bit away from the topic a little bit, but like, <laughs> well, no, because yeah, like it's like utilizing what's already existed to find routine. And, oh yeah, and okay, yeah, you're right. Practice. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. You're right. You're right. Um, I didn't make that. I didn't connect those dots. I haven't read the book, but I've heard nothing but good things. I believe it's called "The Wheel of the Year" uh, by Temperance Alden, aka I think. I have it. Oh, you have it. Yeah. So, so for those unfamiliar, again, I haven't read the book, but the the topic and basis of the book is how to establish your own wheel of mm-hmm. the year. Because Temperance Alden, aka I believe they're at, is still Wild Woman Witchcraft. They also grew up in a in a Catholic background, if I remember correctly. And so they talk throughout the book, though, like not everyone lives in the same in the same parts of the world, right? So, like when it's summer in one place, it's winter in the other. And so the wheel of the year isn't going to match up for both places at the same time. And so Temperance goes throughout the book to teach you how to make your own personal wheel of the year, depending on where you live and the ecology Mm -hmm. and the environment and weather of where you live, because it's not going to make sense to be celebrating the summer equinox when you're still in the middle of winter where you live, you know? So that's uh, one resource I'd like to recommend, which again, just want to emphasize, I haven't personally read it, but I've heard nothing but good things from practitioners of mine that have read it. Mm-hmm. I own it. I haven't read it yet. It's still it's on my list. This is a huge pile of books I still need to read. Um, but I I did I did um, get a couple pages and and it does it it sounds like it's gonna do its job. And you're right. I haven't heard any bad things. I have only heard good things about Temperance um, Alden's book. And they also have um, a lot of people who their personal testimonies in regards to um, how good of a witch. <laughs> just a practitioner that she is so i think there's a lot of um, value in in what she talks about in that book it's I, still it's it's on my list i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna read it i promise i love her real series that she has on her instagram where it's like uh i forgot it's like will it burn or will it spark where she like throws different stuff into a candle flame and sees if it like 
makes like a really cool like spark or flame or whatever. And, um, oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. And so she, I don't know if she still does it, but she was doing it for a short time because she made one where she threw dragon's blood incense into a candle flame and it just does this really cool like ignition sparking effect. And so then she started oh, I, doing I, it, like different stuff. I love dragon's blood. Dragon's blood on fire is so much fun. I've never actually had dragon's blood resin. Like I have like a powdered quote unquote dragon's blood incense powder, but I don't know if it's just like perfumed like it or actually is consisting of actual dragon's blood resin. Um, yeah, but I would love to buy some dragon's blood resin. I've used I, I've I've taken re- dragon's blood resin and just grinded it in a pestle and mortar and just like sprinkled that on fire. It's really fun. Mm. It's fun. Um, so yeah, uh, that's you. I think you re- really hit the nail on the head because that really it it this this uh, this topic really does kind of hit me in a certain way because it's like this is kind of how I w- got into this practice and how I found like myself within this practice is like. Yeah, I had to, I, I kind of went backwards, you know what I mean? Like from being like Christian and then being like new age and then like all the woo-woo stuff and then going into witchcraft and then going into Catholicism. It's like, I really do remember because it's it's pretty recent. Like I, it's still within my recent like memory and I'm still, I, I remember the transition. I remember the the shift in how my practice kind of evolved and it's pretty fucking wonderful totally it was not easy but it was pretty fucking wonderful. oh yeah and nothing within magic and spirituality that's going to lead to growth and evolution and transformation is going to be easy and you know i also just want to make a call back to earlier in the episode i i found it really funny because chaotic witch and uh witch of wanderlust were also like the same two witches i followed early on in my in my witchcraft <laughs> yeah. practice so i just thought that was that was cute that that's i mean like i know they're larger but the, just the fact that we both started out watching them well, the thing about it is, is the reason why I gravitated towards um, Olivia, who's the Witch of Wonderlust, so much is because she's half Filipino. Yeah. So I was just like, I, I want to follow you everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And I didn't find that out till later on when I was watching one of her videos because, you know, I relate because, again, I don't want to say, oh, you don't look Filipino. But like, you know, I, I've gotten that comment hundreds of times because being half Filipino, I look very racially ambiguous being mixed with white and Mexican. And so like, I've gotten the comment of like, Oh, you don't look Filipino. Like I can't even tell you how many fucking times. Um, <laughs> and from other Filipino people of all, of all people. Um, so right. like, I didn't, I didn't recognize them as being, uh, Philip, I don't want to say Filipino presenting. I don't mean this is any mean way, Olivia. I apologize. It's just, I didn't re- realize you were Filipina until you had mentioned it. And I got so excited. Cause I was like, Oh my God, another like Mestiza practitioner. Yeah. She's Mestiza. That's what it is. Yeah, she's Mestiza. Um, and also, oh my God, I want to veer into this, but you know that that term Mestizo or Mestiza has become so like I mean it means a certain thing, but like it's become this thing in especially in the Philippines where it's like it's like a something that everyone needs to be. You know what I mean? When someone is Mestizo or Mestiza, it's like ooh, they're like the prime because I've mm-hmm. been called Mestizo before. I've been called Mestizo. I've been called like if you're mixed blood, it's like that's like that's like the um uh the the fucking the pinnacle of existence because you want to be mixed. You don't want to be pure. You you don't, you don't want to look, you know, like a like a Filipino. Right, which is crazy because then at least in America and this goes for many ethnicities, not just Filipinos, but like, it's almost as if being mixed is kind of stigmatized because we're not, we're not pure enough to fit in to the communities of color from which we come from, but we're also 
not white enough to blend into mainstream white America, unless you're like completely white presenting. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, that's interesting because that's the first time I heard that. I didn't realize that was, I, I mean, I, I knew about colorism in like Mexico and the Philippines, but I didn't realize like being mestizo or mestizo was kind of the pinnacle of race. Oh. Well, let me tell you something from 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 my from my upbringing. And now we're veering off to something else. I, and, but it's important. This is an important conversation because um, I I I do I uh, me and my family are very uh, not me. Me, I think I look the most Filipino out of my family members. But if you if I showed you a picture of my family members, you would think everyone was a Spaniard. Mm-hmm. Everyone is very, very racially ambiguous. Um, so a lot of people find us very attractive people, like very like just beautiful people because we're we're fair skinned. I'm not I don't even think I'm that fair skinned, but people tell me that all the time. Me too. Like you're fair you're fair you're very fair skinned. But the only reason why is because dark skin is so like look down upon in the Philippines. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of just very toxic um, race conversation when it comes to, and, and, and race um, um, favoritism when it comes to, um, no, I'm not going to call it that. I'm going to say what the word is racism. There is a lot of racism when it comes to the Filipino community because there are, Oh my God. Who, yeah. There are folks who, in the, not even just the Filipino community here in the United States, but the Filipino community in the fucking Philippines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who do not identify, who do not, who do, who do not, um, you know, quantify, you know, darker skin indigenous Filipinos, um, as Filipinos. The true Filipinos are the mestizos, the mestizas, the ones that have Spanish blood in them, you know, and it's it's become this whole thing, this whole uh, conversation where folks uh, the, I, I, it's it's very toxic yeah, <laughs> and i absolutely. hear it i hear it all the time like oh my god you're so mestizo you should be an actor in the philippines like, yo it, i've been told the same fucking thing <laughs> bro i'm telling you and it's true when you look at the fucking you look at the the among artista in the <laughs> philippines um among artistas the filipinas they're so pale skinned there's mm-hmm. no there's no there are no there's no melanin in these folks right because they're either mixed with spanish actually now it's more like um which i'm actually more um happy about it's, i mean not not really also um but like they're more they're mixed with either chinese or korean mm-hmm. or you know japanese but these are the skin colors that are like venerated right. <laughs> in the philippines oh. because <clears throat> if you look at if you look at like like one of those talk shows or one of those like like Showtime, you know what Showtime is, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Showtime, that big show where there's like a stage and people sing or whatever. Look at the people that are on stage compared to the people who are in the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The people who are on stage are fair-skinned mestizas. They have beautiful faces. They have smooth skin. They're very, they're very fair-skinned, very light-skinned. When you look at the people in the audience, they're darker. They have, you know, darker complexion. And these are the people who are, you know, they're, they are the people who do not belong on that stage, according to Philippine society. It's insane. It is insane. And it feeds into that whole thing where it's like you can't be anything more than what you are now because of the color of your skin. 
Right, man, we went on a total soapbox tangent. I know, quick, but I'm it, sorry, it, guys. No, but it's a conversation that needs to be had, regardless of what we're talking about. Because I mean, yeah. when you look at the spirituality community, it's predominantly white. I don't have statistics or demographic information to back that claim up. But when you look at the majority of those who have the biggest platforms in the New Age metaphysical communities, they tend to be light skin or white individuals. Yeah, yeah, and I understand it too, guys. I don't. I I I do carry a uh, a carry um a certain privilege with me because i do not fall into that darker skinned um you know um part of society or part of the filipino community i don't there are folks who do and i know i carry that privilege where i i know i am favored amongst the filipino community i understand that Uh, i'm not saying that i don't and i also don't think i'm an authority in speaking for other folks who do live within that um you know that spectrum of the filipino but it it exists in the filipino community and we need to fucking stop Mm -hmm. it's awful it is awful it it really disgusts me and i see it all the time and it's blatant it's, it's really blatant i mean skin They're lightening products like skin lightening products are a huge thing both like in areas yeah. like mexico and the philippines because people yeah. want lighter skin yeah yeah seriously seriously but then going into religion hey guys jesus was not white <laughs> oh yeah middle eastern jew middle eastern jew <laughs> jesus was brown folks <laughs> you know but um uh Gosh, anyways, we went on that. I got I got a little heated there, but you know, it's like you said, it's an important conversation. We'll have that conversation. We'll we'll talk about colorism one of these days because I think it's really important, especially within our practice, because we do come from a we do stand on a certain pedestal when it comes to privilege, because like I said, we don't we don't land in 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 that, you know, realm, but all the at the same time we do have I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of nuanced, and that that's also a kind of a spicy take. But mm-hmm. we 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 can talk about that one of these days because I think it's really important, especially racism within the spiritual community is so rampant and it's quite oh, disgusting. Yeah, it really is quite. And we can also talk about like the basis of a lot of traditions that are based in eugenics and the fact that Whoop. there's. <laughs> Ooh, what am I talking about? <laughs> right. Talking about. Right. Oh, or how about like know. a lot of like uh, conspiracy theories of like Atlanteans or star seeds? Like a lot of that shit, like you said, mm. comes from eugenics or fucking color. Uh, not color. I mean, colorism. Yes. But um, um, I, 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 eugenics. What's the word I'm fucking looking for? Like uh, like a supreme race theory. But that's not the not supreme, but like a superior, like superior race, um, mm-hmm. white supremacy, that shit. Like it pervades mm-hmm. the spiritual community insanely 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 also there's something i just just popped into my head just because you were a, a person of color does not mean that you can be uh like you should favor people who aren't people of color you know what i mean like i don't think that you get a pass because you're a person of color you can still be filipino and racist yeah you know yeah mean? oh my god yeah <laughs> You know, you could still be black and racist. You could still be anything and racist. I don't think anyone yes. gets a pass because they, they, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I just think that's a fucking cop out. And I think right. people need to stop thinking, well, I can say it because I'm a, no, you can't. No, right. you can't. Right. Because that still has, that still has the air of, that's where supremacy comes from, friend. You know, you, you don't think that because there are Filipinos who talk about fucking, um, I don't know, Koreans, for example. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, can you stop like right what what did the koreans do to you well, <laughs> like, not even just are, that even within our own communities i mean the superiority of americanized filipinos who look down upon like native filipinos yeah yes absolutely or like um i'm from the u.s or you know what you know what's even crazier ryan i don't know if you're aware of this but folks from the north and folks from the south now i'm my family is from cebu 
which is like a southern part of the Philippines. And they're folks who are from the north, like from Manila, from like Metro Manila, mm-hmm. who don't see people who are from the south to be as adequate as people from the north. Isn't that fucking wild? It's like we're all the, you're part of the same country and maybe your cultures differ because obviously regional differences. But like, how yeah. are you going to look down upon someone that's still just as much Filipino it's as you? Fucking wild. And you know where they go for their spring break, like spring breaks and holidays? They go to Cebu to party. Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny so you sp- mentioned that because my ex was uh, he was all he was white. He was mixed with a bunch of different white, but he was white and um, but mostly Italian. And when we were in Italy together, he was saying like, yeah, there's like that same difference between Northern Italians and Southern Italians. There's kind of like that weird culture war. But even in our own state of California, Fonzie, I mean, there's that culture war of Northern Californians versus Southern Californians. So it's kind of Uh, like- No, 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 no. I I, I subscribe to that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I do too. We all know Northern Californians are better. It's okay. No, no. How dare you? How dare you? You never see, I mean, God, everyone comes to California to move to Hollywood. So to attempt to be successful, but they don't though. The Bay Area is where it's at. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> Agree to disagree. I guess I don't know. I, I I'm such an LA boy, so I, I it's 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 tough for me. But I I understand why because I love San Francisco. San Francisco is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Totally. Yeah, but. LA is my heart. I feel that. Um, it's funny just because yeah. I've met a lot of people who moved up here from SoCal and ended up loving, at, well, specifically San Francisco more, but Northern California too. But uh, there's yeah. there's things to love and hate about both. I agree. I agree. I I mean, the thing about it is, is that there's a, uh, you're, I mean, I mean, you, you talk about it all the time. There's too much fucking traffic here. But, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I love the culture in San Francisco. The culture in San Francisco is absolutely incredible. And people are so weird and cool and, you know, just fun. Here in LA, there's it's very superficial. People are very they're all about clout, you know. It's very it's very that, and it's like it it, it it it's it's exhausting. It gets very exhausting. Like that is a stereotypical part of LA that is very true. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants clout. Everyone is clout chasers, you know. Um, but I don't know. I also I just love the I love the culture here too. I really really do. There's so many things to do in LA. Yeah, totally. I will say though. I mean, I know. There's a lot of white people in SF. There's a lot of white people in LA. But uh, like you said, there's a lot of diversity in both. And it, yeah. you know, just speaking on that, also regional differences in folk magic too. I'm sure what folk practitioners of a certain culture up here are going to practice different from folk practitioners down in SoCal. Like, so that's that's really interesting in and of itself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's what if you're if you're practicing within your bi, you know bio bio regionalism, then you're doing it right. So if you see differences within your practice and someone who who lives in the same state, but a little bit, you know, further south, then you know that you're doing something right, that you're you're doing exactly what magic, you're doing the magic that you're supposed to be doing. So totally. That's good. Well, aside from the tangent we veered off of, is there anything I else know. you'd like to contribute towards our main topic? Um, No, I think we covered it. I, co- I think we covered it really well. Do you have anything else to say about that stuff? No, I mean, I, knowing me, I'm sure I'll think of something after we finish editing and recording and publish do. it. Me too. But, I know, um, I always do. But I got to say, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. I feel like it's a really important, because a lot of people, I, I, which I understand, we could talk, we don't need to go into it, but religious trauma, I understand how that's going to make you want to veer away from religion. But, oh, there's one thing I did want to talk about. Did you ever watch the show, the animated series, uh, Midnight Gospel? No, not yet. So you don't have to watch the episodes in order. I recommend it just because it's a great story. But if episode three specifically, are you familiar with Damien Eccles? I feel like we've touched, t- talked about him on here. He wrote That's High Magic good. and Angels and Archangels. 
Oh yeah. So okay, yeah. he narrate he voice narrates one of the main characters in episode three because the topic of that episode is about ceremonial magic. And Damien Eccles, one of the things that really stuck out to me and that we've covered on this episode is he talks about how people will try to jump into a tradition that they're completely unfamiliar with and struggle with incorporating that symbolism that they didn't, you know, have any cultural ties to or grow up with into their magical practice, which makes it that much more difficult to utilize the magic. So he, I think he was talking about people jumping into like, again, Eastern traditions, but saying how your magic is going to be more fluid and more easy to grasp when you're working from a perspective of something you're already familiar with. So touching on how I talked about earlier about how growing up with Catholicism, now I can utilize that again in my practice. And it just feels a lot more fluid and a lot more natural because it's shit that I grew up with. And now I see it through a new magical lens. So I highly recommend y'all check out the show, The Midnight Gospel. It's on Netflix. Check out the whole series. Each episode focuses on kind of like a different theme. And um, it's the main character, Clancy. And then he'll bring on like a guest who is a voice narrated character by someone uh, who's either an expert or experienced person in the subject they're covering. So there's an episode that covers death and grief. There's an episode that covers the magic, like I was just talking about. There's an episode that covers meditation and mindfulness, which is the very first episode. Um, And there's only like less than 10 episodes and each episode's like half an hour long. So highly recommend that show, but specifically episode three where Damien Eccles guest appears to talk about magic because it really put into perspective for me the importance of working within a tradition of which you're familiar with. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to put it on my list because I that's been on my list. It's been in my head. So I, I, I'm going to. Yeah. Definitely it's just a, also fucking beautifully animated, super cool and funny series. Okay. Okay. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. But I, I promise I will. That's all good. No, that's all I had to contribute. I really wanted to recommend that out there. Yeah. So good. I mean, I mean, we we get we get information and resources from every. It doesn't have to be from books, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can mm-hmm. be from anywhere. You can get perspective from anywhere. Just have to pay attention. Absolutely. Okay. So um, before we lead out, um, I would like to go ahead and uh, mention our patrons. <clears throat> um, we have currently uh, five patrons. Woo! Thank y'all so much. Um, our patrons are Julian De Ignacio, Ali D, Celeste Mott, Corian Lane from um, New World Witchery, as well as Bonenza Han- Hancock. Excuse me if I pronounce that incorrect. Bonenza, which is a fucking cool name. Bonanza is a fucking dope name. Um, welcome. You are our newest patron. Thank you so much, all of our patrons, for supporting us. The Red Text is a Patreon-supported podcast, so um, any of you listening um, uh, that would like to um, get a little bit more extra content from us, we do host monthly uh, rosary circles uh, at the beginning of the month, usually the first Sunday of the month, if we're able to schedule it that way. And then we also do live Q&As, which actually our next one is coming up next week. Um to kind of recap what we talked about that month, um, as well as uh, early episode releases for our first tier, um, which is our, our video episode. So if you are a patron, you get access to um, a- about a week early of our upcoming episode. And um, all the other tiers have some extra bonuses that are really, really fun. So if you could, and you're able to, and willing to, and would like to support these two queer Christian witches, please become a patron because we have great material coming for y'all. And thank you so much, so, so much to our current patrons. I It, it blows my mind to think that people are paying money just to support 
us two queers that like to to ramble about our practice. <laughs> yes, I agree. Thank you so much for our current patrons. We really do appreciate and love all of you. All of you. All of you. All of all of the stuff. Um but yeah. Okay, cool. And with that said, we will see you guys on our next unholy communion. Ciao.